This is the Awakened Pregnancy Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Cattle, intuitive life coach, mama, and multiple hat wearer. I've learned firsthand that pregnancy is our invitation to awaken the divine that is already within. In this podcast, I'll show you how you can invite self-love, acceptance, connection, and intuition into your day so you too can have an incredible journey into mamahood. Keep listening for today's episode. Welcome to episode 28 of the Awakened Pregnancy Podcast. In today's show, I speak with Melissa Mavis. She is a qualified social worker and mental health clinician, an empath, a mama, and wife who is super passionate about supporting mamas through the emotional and mental challenges of motherhood. Through her business, Me and Mamahood, Mel empowers and equips mothers with the knowledge, skills, and tools to grow and nourish their own well-being. She provides mamas with a safe space to explore themselves and their mamahood journey, and she is an absolute angel. I loved interviewing Melissa, and she is, I, I know you're going to hear this in our conversation, but she is this beautiful, grounded, centered, just filled with love, gently spoken kind-hearted human being. I just absolutely loved everything that she was able to share with us. But to give you a little bit of a snippet of what we talk about, which was a lot, we covered a lot of topics, uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's such a great episode and such a great conversation that we really do need to be having. So she spoke about her journey with postnatal depression, gestational diabetes. We spoke about Uh, postpartum anxiety, the realities of motherhood, perfectionism and expectations and how they can show up in our motherhood journey and really cause us some challenges. We spoke about surrender and presence. We spoke about mama comparison, how to deal with process and say no thank you to other people's advice. She shares her experience with a recent ectopic pregnancy um, and pregnancy loss. We talk about postnatal support, the role of a counselor or psychologist and how we really need to break the stigma around that, around uh, our motherhood journey. We talk about how to nurture yourself through the motherhood transition and why you truly need to nourish your soul in this experience. As you can probably hear, it is a jam-packed episode. I know you are going to love listening to beautiful Mel. So let's dive right on in. Hi, beautiful Mel. Welcome to the Awakened Pregnancy Podcast. Hello, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to have you here. I cannot wait to dive into our conversation today. But I always really like to start off uh, by, I guess, allowing my guests to introduce themselves a little bit. Would you like to tell us a little bit about who is in your family and how you love to spend your time? Uh, yeah, my in my family, there is uh, my husband, James, and my daughter, Peyton, and myself. Um, Peyton's just turned five this year. Um, I'm one of four children, and my younger sister is one of my best friends. Um, I, yeah, I work full-time as a mental health clinician, So typically my week consists of the usual school drop-off, work, come home, dinner and bedtime routine. And then my weekends are spent balancing time between friends, family, self-care, doing things that I enjoy, um, and then the usual stuff like cleaning the house, um, ending the week and then preparing for the week ahead. Um, nice. I'm, it sounds like organization is really important for you guys in your life at this point. Extremely, extremely mm-hmm. important. Um, I have a monthly calendar, whiteboard calendar up on the wall so that everybody knows where they have to be and who's doing what at all yeah. times because otherwise it just doesn't work. I bet. Oh, my goodness. I think in this craziness of COVID, I hadn't realized um, my, my husband is working one week from home and one week from the office and the weeks where he's working in the office. I'm like, oh, okay, we've got to be really organized this week because it's such yeah. like he works such um, well with, I mean, just adding in the commute makes it a much bigger day and a longer day for me at home. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like I've been in this little bubble um 
of not having to be organized, but starting to have to come out of it, obviously. And um, yeah, it's amazing how much of a difference it makes to your week if you just put in that planning time, which it sounds like you're all over. Um, sometimes I try. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. So let's talk about motherhood for a moment or maybe a little while. Mm. Um, your journey into motherhood hasn't been a direct path as in fall pregnant, have the baby, fall pregnant, have another baby happily ever after, right? That, that silly picture that we sometimes Mm. have in our mind. You've had to navigate many challenging moments throughout your experience. And I'd love for you to share with us what that has looked like for you and how your experience has welcomed your own awakening as a mother. Mm. Well, yeah, as you sort of hinted at it, it's a bit of a long story and um, I'll try to like condense it but give enough context. Um, so basically James and I met when I was 21 and I graduated my Bachelor of Psychological Science when I was 23 and the year after that James and I decided to start trying for a baby and this happened very quickly um, about two months after I stopped the pill. I fell pregnant, which was a big surprise. And we were like, oh, okay, it's happening. Um, I really loved being pregnant. And the only sort of uh, negative aspect of my pregnancy was that I developed gestational diabetes. And I had to manage that um, just by eating like a low carb, low sugar diet and it was a bit of an adjustment because I was having cravings for things like iced donuts and thick shakes. Um, oh so my gosh. <laughs> I had to basically just cut all of that out of my diet straight away after I got my results from the um, sugar test. But like realistically, it was fine. So this, um, is the, this is the test that you do around the 20 week mark. Is that right? Yeah, I feel like I want to say 28 weeks. Okay, yeah. Something like that, yes. Yeah, the one where you have to do, um, you drink it and then you do three blood tests, like one every hour or something like that. And so did you have, I'm curious um, around this and I'm going to let you jump back onto topic in a moment, but I'm curious to know, did you have any symptoms of gestational diabetes before you had the test? Do you remember? Was it like suspected? Okay, yeah. No. Um, I do have a family history of diabetes, but I haven't had any sort of issues with diabetes before and I don't have any now. It was just during the pregnancy. Yeah, interesting. Thanks Mm. for sharing that. (laughs) I'm curious. I... I didn't have the gestational diabetes test and it was a conversation that I had with my, um, we had an obstetrician with Flynn and Mm -hmm. she was happy for me not to have it because I didn't present with any symptoms that were of any concern for her. And it was just something that uh, we agreed that if there were symptoms down the track that we would test down the track and I was okay with that. Um, but yeah, I was curious to hear if there was anything that you, that you or um, you know your care provider had noticed beforehand. But that's um, yeah, for mamas who are at that stage of pregnancy, that's good to know. Hmm. Yeah, no, I just assumed at the time that it was, and I was told that it was like part of standard care. Um, whereas now I know that you you do have a choice in whether you take that test or not. Yeah, I think there's a lot that is changing at the moment as around that conversation of, um, you know, being leading your own care and making those choices and what is standard practice and actually asking why, which is, I mean, that's a whole Mm. other conversation in itself. But um, yeah, thanks so much for elaborating on that. But I'll let you get back on to talking about your mamahood journey. Um, Okay, Um, so I had a natural birth. Um, because of the diabetes, I was actually induced, um, but gave birth naturally. And um, I recovered quite well from birth. I didn't have any like major issues or anything like that. And 
We enjoyed our newborn bubble. We're very blessed. We have both sides of the family nearby who are very supportive. Um, I didn't actually have paid maternity leave through um, the work that I was doing at the time. So I actually went back um, what some people might say quite soon, which was after the four months of receiving the Centrelink parenting payment. So when that stopped, I went back to work just really flexibly, um, only like two days a week, I think. Um, and everything seemed like it was going really well until um, I started to recognize that I was struggling emotionally and mentally. And even though it was eight months into my parenting journey, I look back now and I think I really struggled with the whole transition into motherhood. Um, the onset of my postnatal depression is kind of blurry, like there wasn't anything significant um, that triggered it. It was most likely just a buildup of a bunch of different things. Um, and I remember that there was a particular day that I realised I really need to seek support for my mental health. And um, I've always been a pretty self-aware person, so that combined with my background in psychology helped me identify the things that I knew I needed help with. Um, so I went and got a mental health care plan and I began seeing a psychologist. Um, Can I ask you on that, Mel, being that this is your um, background as well, what are some mm. of the what are some of the things that we can be looking out for as signs that there there is something that we need to work on with our mental health in the postpartum experience? Like what what are some of the symptoms or things that you noticed within yourself? Mm -hmm. So um, I think there there's definitely a misconception about like what is just the normal process of adjusting to being a new mum and what might be mental health issues. Um, so basically postnatal depression is depression that arises during the first 12 months after birth. So it has um, quite similar or if not like a lot of the same symptoms with maybe a couple extras that um, could help you, I suppose, identify it as postnatal depression. So symptoms are commonly things like irritability, um, changes in mood, um, issues with sleep, which also come with being a new mum. So that one um, is actually really difficult to sort of decipher is it this or is it that um, but feelings of sadness and feeling down feeling like we have no energy um, and then if you add on sort of the aspects specific to being a mom there are things like feelings of um, inadequacy feeling like you're not doing a good job as a mom really being critical of yourself when it comes to um, how you're parenting, how you feel about your baby, how you feel towards um, being a mum. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. And I can see how so many of those things could be easily put down to something else or even, you know, as um, you know, a support or a friend around somebody who is in their postpartum journey, how we could really easily dismiss those or um, belittle those symptoms and almost say, you know, it's part of it, you know, it's okay, you're doing a great job. Like, you know, it, it is, um, it's really interesting to kind of hear it um, in that way because, yeah, each of those individual symptoms on their own could really quite easily be dismissed. Um, so I think mm. it's something really beautiful to keep in mind as well if you have you know, friends around you who are in their new motherhood experience and also within yourself if you're journeying into, um, you know, into that into that pocket of time postpartum. Um, yeah, big, big, big stuff. And um, 
it definitely has a massive impact on your life. Thank you so much for going into that. Um, I feel like I keep interjecting and asking questions, but I'm going to let you keep going now. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's such a, it's, it's what I'm passionate about and it's so interesting. And I, I just feel like my message is to share these kind, this kind of information so that people are aware and they have that awareness to be able to recognize those things in themselves or in their friends so that they can get help for themselves or they can support their friends and family to get the support that they need. Um, One thing I didn't mention was the postnatal anxiety. So things like, um, like very overwhelming feelings of worry and thoughts of worry, like, uh, it's quite common for mums to feel um, anxious to carry the baby downstairs in in the fear that they're going to fall on top of their baby or they're going to drop their baby. Um, Mothers that hover over the um, crib while the baby sleeps because they've got this overwhelming fear that the baby's going to stop breathing and then they're not getting the sleep that they need as well because they're spending all of their time um you know being protective over baby and and some of those things are normal but it, it also you just have to factor in how much is that impeding on your day-to-day life and how much time it is being consumed by those feelings of worry or anxiety mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I have, uh, you know, in, in the work that I do, I have definitely had many conversations with women around those fears and also obviously in my friends as well. Lots of my friends are mothers. And, uh, Mm. yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I can see how, um, we can have, and I like how you said it's, um, you know, we really have to see how much it's impeding on everyday life. You know, each of those things I can relate to at some point in my motherhood journey, um, on their own. I'm like, oh yeah, I can see how there were moments of that for me. And there were moments of that for me as well. But I think that, um, you know, the key here is to be really aware of these things. And if it is affecting the way that you're feeling, this is what I'm hearing from you, Mel, anyway, if it is really affecting the way that you're feeling more than it's not, then we're entering kind of a space where we really need to look at support. Um, And, you know, my thoughts on this are, it doesn't hurt to have the conversation. Like, you know, the it's, it's very possible, you know, if you have, if you're unsure about how, you know, whether this is something more serious than, um, you know, just the adjustment. And I say just the adjustment to motherhood, which is massive. Um, but if, mm-hmm. if there is a feeling that it could be more than that, then I, I just feel like it's worth having a conversation. And if it's not, it's not, but at least you've kind of opened up that channel of communication with your healthcare professional, whoever that is that you're speaking to, um, which it sounds like you did that. So you had that conversation, you got the mental health plan at around eight, month, eight months postpartum. Um, and then mm-hmm. what happened from there? Um, so one of the other symptoms that people can experience is a brain fog. So like I, I really have trouble remembering what was going on for me at the time and, and also time has affected that because it's now five years down the track. Um, but, yeah, the brain fog was there and that's a common symptom and I remember carrying around these very heavy feelings of confusion, guilt and shame and I remember believing that I was a bad mum for wanting to work and not wanting to stay home with my baby. And this started like this really massive inner conflict for me and it just like it really brought me down and it was, I just felt so alone. I felt like I couldn't communicate these feelings and thoughts with anybody because I was embarrassed. And at the time I didn't believe that I felt that um unconditional love in inverted commas that everyone talks about and that made me feel like there was something wrong with me and there was guilt and shame surrounding that and it was just very overwhelming and very isolating and one thing that I um, explored a lot in my treatment was that I had 
very high expectations of myself as a mum, like expectations surrounding how I should feel, what I should be doing, and like what what I what I should who I should be as a mum, how I should feel as a mum. Um, I just really failed to see all of the good things that I was doing. And I had that tunnel vision and all I could see were negatives. Um, on top of all of that, I guess I was one of the first people in a few of my friend groups to become a mum as well. So that just sort of added to the feelings of isolation and I didn't feel like anybody would understand the thoughts and feelings that I was having. Um, so yeah, for a long while, the only people who knew anything about that I was having a difficult time was the people who were the closest to me. Um, and I remember what my psychologist said to me to sort of pull me out of the depression. Um, she asked me, Mel, is Peyton a happy child? Is she healthy? Is she reaching her milestones? Is she fed? Is she loved? Does she have a roof over her head? And I'm sitting there like, well, I, yes. <laughs> and she was like, hello, all these things it's a make you a good mum. Yeah, and see, this is the this is the crazy part about it, and whether it's postpartum, and I'm not saying about you, <laughs> I'm just saying about this self talk that we have. Whether you are in the space that you are, um, you know, you are diagnosed with postnatal depression, or whether you are experiencing these things in your transition to motherhood, or even this self talk outside of motherhood, feeling guilt and having high expectations of ourselves and feeling shame for who we are, what we do, our choices. I don't know if this is the same for you in your practice, but that is so often the core of uh, unhappiness, discomfort, anxiety, depression that I see in so many of my clients. Like that is the core of it is that really damaging and painful self-talk around, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't do enough. Mm. And I, there's something wrong with me. Like that conversation on replay in our mind is just, it's its devastating that so many of us go to that space um, and, and damage our relationship with ourselves. And then, you know, obviously it has such a massive impact on all areas of our life. Mm, it ripples all the way through. And mm. that's why it is so important to, I feel educate people on like what does it look like when things maybe aren't going the way that we want or um, I don't want to use the word should. I hate the word should. <laughs> um, so do I. <laughs> you know, like what does it look like when we're struggling and what does it look like when we're struggling and we could really benefit from getting that extra support from a professional. Mm. I guess that's that's the difference. Because, um, yeah, there are some days that are going to be difficult and, like, when the kids are running around like madmen and, and you've asked them to do X, Y and Z, like, at least five times and they're still not listening and they're making you a bit mad, but, like, to know when the irritability is seeping in because it's been an ongoing thing and you're not coping as well as you could, then that's when I would suggest like seeking professional support. Yeah, yeah. And I really, I, I love how you speak about this so openly and obviously this is a vulnerable time in your life. So I want to, I want to let you know how much I appreciate you sharing this because we really do need to, and I think so much has improved in this space, but there is still so much work to do around removing the shame around mental health and, um, 
you know, I, I love that we're having this conversation and that we are bringing this topic to this community and that it is perfectly okay and perfectly acceptable to be in whatever state you are in throughout your journey into motherhood. And so much of it is about asking for support. And, you know, I think that um, having a beautiful support network around you and seeking out what that looks like for you and even doing some work on that while you're pregnant to, you know, to really have that around you. I know for me, I um, I have, I've never been uh, diagnosed with anything um, as far as mental health, but I have had moments in my life where if, you know, when I was a teenager where if I was if I went to a GP or um, a psychologist that maybe I would have been diagnosed with something like depression. Um, So I was really mindful of it going into motherhood. I was aware of it. I'm a high achieving person. I have very high expectations on myself. I resonate with what so, so much of what you were saying. And I decided in pregnancy to kind of let a few of my friends and family know, look, there is a part of me that is a little bit afraid that maybe I will go down that path. And I just want to let you know so that you can observe the signs too, just in case I'm not aware of it. Um, I just wanted to let you know. And, you know, it was something that then those few people that I'd spoken to when they checked in with me and they said, how are you? And then they'd say, well, how are you actually? Are you going okay? You know, what's going on for you? And just kind of opening up that conversation rather than, I guess, um, you know, allowing ourselves to navigate that on our own, thinking thinking that we have to navigate that on our own. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, I don't know if that's something that you suggest as well, but I definitely suggest that to my, to my clients is just open up that line of communication before you're in the new motherhood, um, you know, that in that container when baby arrives, just so that you have that extra level of support. So then, you know, I mean, if there was ever an issue, I know I would have been going to those people first and saying, hey, I have, you know, I've been feeling X, Y, Z. I don't know if I should go speak to someone um, because the isolation is so big. You know, that that feeling of isolation can be so huge and just having that opportunity to be able to talk freely with those few key people in my life. Um, I feel like I was kind of safeguarding myself a little bit to have a support network. Um but I've kind of just taken over again. <laughs> I feel like um, this this conversation is really interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying talking about this. So tell me from there, where did things go for you? Um, you were, you had your treatment plan, you were working with your psychologist. Um, and now obviously we're five years down the track. So tell me where to mm-hmm. from there and what does mamahood look like for you now? So, well... <laughs> While I was getting treatment for depression, I actually started my Masters of Social Work and I don't really recommend that for anybody, <laughs> but me being, <laughs> me being me and that high achiever in me just wanted to do more with um, my qualifications. So started my Masters of Social Work and I also started um, the Me and Mamahood Instagram as a space to talk about the not so glamorous sides of motherhood and I guess I just feel that yes as you touched on before people are it there is more awareness building but I just feel like we're not really there yet with um, showing the true realities of becoming a parent because being a mum can be so hard so hard sometimes don't you feel like when you say it can be so hard, like th- that word doesn't have enough meaning. Like when you say, I feel no. like when you, I like every time I say to someone, look, it's really hard. I'm like, think of the hardest thing, you know, times a million. And that's how much it's going to stretch you. <laughs> like it's, I, I feel like people would say that to me when I was pregnant. They're like, look, it is really hard. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I can do hard. I've done hard before. But it's like, no, no, yeah. it's like a million times harder than the hard you've done before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like nothing, nothing can prepare you for any of it. All of the poo and the spew and the being so tired that your eyeballs are going to fall out of your head, but also just the emotional and mental roller coaster that motherhood takes you on. Nothing can prepare you for that. You can be like you hear People talk about like I was made to be a mom 
And I'm like, that's really great, except I just feel like you also may not be aware with about like how difficult this might be. And that's unfortunately where we fall down and like the societal expectations that, you know, we become parents and it just naturally comes to us because we're women and that's so far from the truth. Like so many maternal mental health issues, as we said before, go undiagnosed and untreated because the mums are told, oh, this is just you adjusting to being a new mom. That's normal. It's normal to have a bad day here or there. But um, something that I learned through my journey with depression was how debilitating being a perfectionist can be. Mm. And I'm now, yeah, I'm now so very aware that it's common for people who have perfectionistic traits to have some sort of difficulty with parenthood because parenthood is never going to be perfect. And we are our own biggest critics and our self-talk sometimes can be really unkind. And when we're unkind to ourselves, that's where things like depression and anxiety can manifest. And like it, perfectionists, I feel people may not have a full, like a in-depth understanding of perfectionists. It's just, you know, the idea that perfectionists want everything to be perfect. But perfectionists don't think that they're perfect. They strive to do things well. So when a mother has perfectionistic traits and she doesn't perceive herself to be a good mum for whatever reason or to be doing well as a mother for whatever reason, her inner mean girl can start saying some really shit things and then she might start to believe them. And that's where, you know, the... Um, I guess the mental health issues can manifest. Um, I love that you've gone down this um, down this path with the perfectionism conversation because this is, I would say that nearly all of my clients have some perfectionist traits and I absolutely personally resonate as well. And I love your explanation in that it's not that a perfectionist thinks that they're perfect. They're the kind of person who is always striving to do their best and give their best. And that's often something mm-hmm. that I hear in my clients is I just want to do my best or I'm not going to do that until I can do it well or I don't want to do that until I can fully give myself to it. Those types of sentences and that type of conversation is stemmed in perfectionism. And like you said, if you try to bring that to motherhood, you just feel completely out of control because you are. (laughs) It just, I think it just really exposes to you that you were never actually in control, that prior to motherhood, it was much easier to kind of tilt things in your favor because you only had yourself to control, but we can't And if you think about it, we don't really want to control these tiny people. We want to allow them to be who they truly are. Um, But this idea of perfectionism, if we try to stay in that space, we truly will send ourselves mad. It's just completely, I mean, in my, my experience, it is completely impossible to be absolutely perfect or the, you know, the idea of absolutely perfect, whatever that is anyway, in motherhood, because it's, yeah, it's, it's just not even possible. Um, I know myself, my, my experience into motherhood with the five years of trying to conceive Lynn, and then um, he's two now. So it's, it's been a fairly long time. I've been journeying into this space and the continuous lesson that has come up for me is surrender. Is con- I'm constantly learning how to surrender further and just allow things to unfold and be present. Like that for me has been the um, the antidote to the perfectionism is surrender and presence. Mm, and that's really hard for perfectionistic people to do. <laughs> sure <laughs> is. It takes a lot control. of self-work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's where all the shooting comes from and we're shooting all over the place. I should be doing this. She's doing X. I should be doing X. Like they probably think they probably think that I should be doing XYZ, but I'm not, so therefore I suck or, you know, like the really negative self-talk and we we we're so mean to ourselves sometimes. Um <laughs> 
I mean, I know that I was and a lot of it was, you know, unsubstantiated and a lot of it was just me having really unrealistic expectations of myself. And unfortunately, when we have these really high expectations of ourselves, it's very likely that we're putting these incredibly high expectations onto our babies and our children as well. Like, for example, like her baby sleeps all the night through. Why doesn't mine? And her child doesn't wet the bed anymore. And her children always look so cute and they look like they eat really well. And shouldn't he or she be crawling by now? And blah, blah. Like, there's so, mm. so many examples. Absolutely every milestone of a child's life, if you've got these high expectations, like the poor kids are not going to be able to reach them. And then that just manifests into all kinds of all kinds of difficult difficulty in like attachment and your relationship with your babies and even the people around you and then mm. I just feel like these kind of thoughts and belief then then they get compounded by things like social media and that comparisonitis and there just is no standard way to parent. Like your role as a parent is to love them, keep them safe, be the best role model that you can be and nurture their growth. And that's going to look different in every household. So just because this person like seemed to have, like she has these beautiful pictures of her beautiful water birth and her kids wear all these expensive brand name clothing like that doesn't make her any better a mom it just means that she has nice photos to like portray that but that's not like we're, we're not taking pictures of when we were doing the family um photo shoot and the kids were running around <laughs> running around <laughs> and like frowning and not looking at the camera and sticking their tongues out like that stuff's exactly. not posted on Instagram because it's not beautiful but or, that's the reality or the, uh, of it or or trying to get the um cover off the couch because your son pooed on it <laughs> I wasn't Instagramming <laughs> that <laughs> exactly exactly yeah and so uh, and, and so like, what oh sorry you go I'll let you go I was just gonna say like the there's also that inevitability that when you become a parent, you are going to receive all this unsolicited advice. And it's at the time in your life when you're so vulnerable and you get advice from the strangers walking down the street and your your mum, your mother-in-law, your sister, your sister-in-law, uh, any of your friends, and they've all probably done things differently surrounding the same kind of topic and my advice to new mums is usually just something along the lines of do what you think is safe and appropriate for you and your baby and then kindly disregard all the rest mm. because otherwise There's... we just we're in that just turmoil meant... of like oh my gosh like Sally is doing this and Kate is doing this and Belinda's doing this and I don't know what the heck I want to do or like but that hurts too much like when it comes to breastfeeding there are so many so many different things that people do bottles breastfeeding all of these things and you just have to do what is going to work for you and your baby what's safe for you and your baby and those are all things that you just figure out slowly along the way. Mm, yeah. And it's so, so much of that is about trusting yourself and trusting your intuition and realizing that that is something important to invest in for yourself, investing time in building that connection to yourself. Um, and I love the concept of uh, trusting, like making choices from your intuition and starting to stack evidence um, alongside, alongside that, um, because we have, we have so much evidence 
to live from a logical standpoint of gathering all the information and picking out the pros and cons and choosing what we want to do. But in motherhood, there are pros and cons for both sides of every single situation. It really is never black and white, which is what you're alluding to here, Mel. So I think that, you know, the more that we can build evidence in favor of trusting our intuition, the easier it is to make those choices based on what feels good for us. And I was going to say before, um, where I kind of interrupted you, I had, um, I had somebody else on the podcast a little while ago, um, beautiful Ange Keats, who is um, a chiropractic um, doctor, and she shared that something that her husband has always said, when somebody offers advice and it doesn't align with his beliefs or um, uh, their, um, their choices basically in life, he says, thank you for sharing that. And then that's the end of the conversation. And I just love it. It's so perfect. It's like you don't need to say anything else. It ends the conversation. Um, So, yeah, I felt to kind of circle back to that. If anyone hasn't heard that episode, it's so perfect in motherhood. Yes, I love that so much. So good. So tell me about... where you're at now with motherhood. So you've been through this journey, you've been healing yourself, working with um, beautiful practitioners who who have supported you. Where are you now with motherhood? Um, well, this year has been a big year um, in the sense of I experienced a very unexpected ectopic pregnancy. And I had to, that ended up with many, many weeks of appointments at hospital and blood tests and trying to figure out what it was in the first place. Um, So, yeah, it actually ended up in me having surgery and um, my right fallopian tube along with the pregnancy was removed um so that that was actually my first experience of early pregnancy loss and I guess looking back at it now even though it's still reasonably fresh I can see some blessings in it in the sense of there were learning opportunities in there for me and now um, working in me and mamahood and supporting mamas the way that I do, I really feel like I'm in a way better equipped to hold space for mums that have also had an experience of early pregnancy loss and just to I just feel better equipped to be able to hold them um and make them feel heard and just validate whatever feelings come up so in regards to I guess motherhood now um that really took us by surprise because I had absolutely no idea that I even was pregnant I didn't have any well, I didn't notice the symptoms. Looking back now, there were a couple that maybe you could put down to it. But, um, yeah, I really didn't know until I went to the doctor and she just did a routine urine sample. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so where we're at now, we don't really know. We're we're open to the idea of maybe having another baby, but we're also really content with a little pea and she's she's an absolutely beautiful little girl. Um, so, yeah, we're just kind of winging it at the moment. Well, we have been winging it this whole time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's um, – I, I... – I was going to say I enjoyed, but that's not the right word. I really appreciated you sharing your experience on social media with Ectopic and how incredibly challenging that experience uh, was and is to navigate. Um, 
you mentioned about now understanding your clients in a deeper way around pregnancy loss. And I, I resonate with that part of it, but obviously um, I have never been through an ectopic pregnancy and it is in my understanding something that's really serious in a lot of ways. Um, and I can mm-hmm. imagine it's a very scary thing to navigate. Um, so yeah, I, I want to say on behalf of women who were, um, alongside you while that was happening and while you were sharing that, that I'm really grateful that you were vulnerable in that time because I can imagine that that wasn't something that was easy. I know for me, with I've, I've experienced two miscarriages and I haven't shared about it until well after because I just really needed that privacy and space to navigate it. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I really appreciate that you have been able to do that. And I'm sure if people want to scroll back, they will be able to see posts from back then and what you shared about your experience. If there are women who are currently going through ectopic or they have been through it before and they're wanting to feel heard and seen in that, um, I'm, I'm very certain they'll be able to get that from what you shared at that time. Um, so I, oh, thank you. I, I wanted to talk a little bit now about me and mamahood. And I, I mean, you have kind of spoken a little bit about what inspired you to to create your me and mamahood account and to do the work that you're doing. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about, um, I mean, if there's more you want to share around what's inspired you, but also how you support women and what you do and what you believe that we can do um, to really navigate our transition into motherhood in the best way possible to support ourselves in the best way possible. Yeah. um, So after I finished my master's, I was, I just, me and mamahood became more of like, In the beginning, it was like a passion project. And then when I realized that there seems to be, we seem to be lacking in um, postnatal supports for mums. So I really wanted to be able to use my qualifications to um, be that support. Um, So I guess what I do, I, I, I know people have this sort of, there's still a stigma surrounding counselling, the word counselling, um, but I, I, I'm really working on um, breaking that. Uh, counselling doesn't have to be scary or um, threatening or you don't have to be afraid that seeing a psychologist or a counsellor, um, that that person's going to be judging you. In fact, it's it's the complete opposite. That person is there to fully support you and provide that safe space for you to explore what's going on for you and yourself. Um, yeah, so I just really wanted to touch on that in particular because it really disheartens me to um, think that some people out there might be really struggling or having a tough time, yet the stigma surrounding getting help for their mental health is still out there and preventing them from doing that. Um, But moving on into the how can we support ourselves um, in mamahood, one of my big things that I like to highlight to mamas that I work with is you need to be able to be flexible. And like we've touched on before, like there are all those um, sort of perfectionistic ideas that come in about like what being a mum is going to be like, but I can almost guarantee you that your motherhood journey is not going to be exactly how you envisioned it, like anything from conception all the way through to after birth, like it's very, very likely that something in there is not going to match up with the lovely, um, <laughs> the, the picturesque version of motherhood that you may have envisioned. Something and okay. or everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's okay though. Mm. Like, 
we need to stop putting um, so much pressure on ourselves to to be a certain way, I think. So in saying that, I also highly encourage people to lower their expectations of themselves and practice self-compassion. And learn how to speak to yourself in a way that you would speak to someone that you love. So if a good friend came to you and said, I'm such a shit mom because of X, Y, Z, what would you say to her? and try to practice speaking to yourself that way. Um, I love that. I love that tip so much. That's actually something I often do with my clients when we can't access that voice within ourselves and we can't kind of, you know, when, when that voice isn't familiar, that kind voice, it's so much easier to think about what we would say to our best friend. And you would never say to your best friend, yeah, you know what? You are a shit mom. Like, that I can't believe that your house is such a mess and I can't believe you haven't even prepared that organic broccoli. Like what is wrong with you? We would never, ever say that to someone we love. No. <laughs> or they wouldn't be in our life for yeah, very long exactly. anyway. No, exactly. So like we just, that's where we like, you can learn skills in counselling to learn how to challenge thoughts like that, um, to be able to have more positive self-talk. Mm. Um, what, else, what else would I suggest? Um, smile, smile more because um, when our facial muscles form a smile, they send signals to our brains that we are safe and it sends a signal to release the Feel good hormones. So, if even if you're not happy, per se, you can physically put a smile on your face, and your body and your brain does the rest of the work. So amazing. Um, what else? I think it's very important to make sure that you have at least one mum friend you can be truly honest with and they're the kind of friend that you go to and you can laugh together about how much the kids are driving you absolutely mad and just be free of any judgment um do things that are going to be able to quiet your mind so journaling, brain dumping. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with brain dumping, it's just when you get a piece of paper or a journal and you just write everything that you're thinking. You just get it out onto a piece of paper and then do what you like with it. Sometimes it's best just to get it all out and not read it or you can read it and try to sort of prioritise. Sometimes your to-do lists will come out of it. Um, you can meditate, swimming, yoga, and I highly suggest a walk in nature all by yourself. So beautiful. And I feel like as well from the conversation that we've had, we, we don't want to do this with like a big massive expectation and don't go and put every single one of those things on your to-do list and then tell yourself that you suck when you don't do all of them. I, I love how you've given us like a buffet and we get to pick which one we want to do. I think that that's a really beautiful um, way of approaching that too. Yes. Something that I think is so important is mama's self-care. So really need to look after yourself we're always prioritizing our kids and their needs over our own and it's so very important to be looking after your own well-being and like nourishing your soul so that we can be the best mums that we can for our kids so the best part is, is when we practice self-care and self-love, our little people are watching us and they're learning the value of self-worth and they're learning, you know, that um, it's important to invest time and money sometimes into 
ourselves and they're cultivating mm-hmm. memories that mum is happy and giving and she's a loving, safe space rather than mummy's always tired and cranky. Mm. Yes, so true. So true. I love that. And I mean, I'm such an advocate for self-care too. I think it's, it's so easy to, um, it's so easy to say, but I think, you know, allowing this to become a priority, allowing yourself to become a priority and noticing the difference that it has in your life when you actually do that. I think it's so easy to be, and I, I'm saying this from personal experience, it's so easy to be a victim of motherhood and, you know, speak as if we are a victim of it. Um, but I know that if it's, it's no one else's job to ensure that I'm looking after myself. I know that that's my job. Uh, and so what that means is if I need some downtime, then it's up to me to organize that. So whether that's getting a babysitter or dropping Flynn off somewhere or taking him with me and, you know, giving him my phone to play on or taking a bunch of books or doing my yoga and just letting him do something else and just being okay with the fact that he's not getting my full attention all the time. I think that, as you said, we need to realize that we are teaching our children how to take care of themselves by what we do, not by what we say. They see everything. I can't, I actually can't believe it already with Flynn, how much he sees in me. And he started, um, he asked the question because he talks on the phone now. He asked the question of like, he'll say like, oh, how's nanny or how's mommy or whoever he's on the phone to. And he's actually kind of started bringing that conversation into um, day-to-day life as well. And this morning I was a little bit cranky at Michael and um, Flynn actually said, mommy, you okay? And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. You've noticed that I'm actually like a little bit peed off at your dad. <laughs> and it was really, it was really <laughs> eye-opening to me. They do. And he notices it. He's going to observe what I do when I'm in that state to get myself out of it. And so for me, that was really eye-opening it's just another way that you just can't hide from your kids. <laughs> like they truly are. Um, if we allow them to be, they are our biggest teacher and they really call us to a higher standard in, you know, how we how we care for ourselves. So in that moment, I was like, okay, wow, you know what? Mummy's okay, but she's feeling a little bit cranky and this is what I'm going to do um, to, you know, to navigate that basically. I said, I'm, I'm going to have a conversation with daddy and tell him why I'm upset. And um yeah, rather than kind of stropping around mm-hmm. the house, it made me go, you know what? The adult thing here to do, Kate, is talk about it. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I love how you said that. It's it's not only about caring for ourselves, but it's, you know, bigger than that. The impact is bigger than that, what we're teaching our loved ones, you know, our children, our partners, our family about the fact that self-care is important. Um, yeah. I've kind of rambled a bit there, but I I, I, thought it, I felt very exposed this morning. <laughs> My two-year-old could tell that I was cranky. <laughs> it was um, also so beautiful that he could recognize that in you at such a young age. I just, yeah, you just are so magical like that. They are amazing. These little humans are incredible. He blows my mind absolutely blows my mind. And I know that there are mamas listening to this who know that exact same feeling, just like you do. (laughs) Um, So I think to wrap up, I always like to ask the same question. Um, I'd love to know what you are excited about in the future, what you're working on right now, personally, professionally, doesn't matter. Just tell me, tell me about what you're looking forward to in the future. Um. I'm looking forward to, uh, we've recently been looking at purchasing a home. Um, I'm looking forward to where my work takes me um, in the sense of uh, there are a few ideas that I have that I won't share yet um, to do with what I want to do in my career. Um, I'm super excited to sort of see where um, me and mamahood, the path that me and mamahood is going to take me down and the people that I'm going to meet and work with through me and mamahood. Um, and personally, I'm working on doing more things like this, which is to get out of my comfort zone. Yeah. 
So good. Thank you so much, Mel. I've loved having this conversation. And again, I want to thank you for being so beautifully open and vulnerable in sharing your experience and how you've grown through that and, you know, the beautiful work that you're doing now in the world. And I will link everything uh, so that you, so everyone can connect with you online and come and check out what you're about and follow along and learn from you because you have so much to share. And yeah, it's been, it's been so beautiful to have you here. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Awakened Pregnancy Podcast. For more, go to katecaddle.com. If you loved the show, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you are more of a candid girl and like to see what's going on behind the scenes and what I'm really like, come and check me out on Instagram, kate underscore cattle. I'll see you soon. 